All right, Parker, do you uh, smell that? What is that? I'm sorry. Smells like a lockout to me. That's what it smells like? Yeah, pretty much. It's got a slight air of panic about it. Slight air of BS about it. Boy, a lot of that. Yeah, I, I've I've had that smell before. I've smelt that smell before. I've never smelled it. In 94. That, well, that was a strike. I think of... of, of 90 of, of, was the last time, I believe, right? This, there was a lockout. This, the strikes and lockouts. Yeah, I've covered... I think I've just covered... This will be the third of the actual striker lockout I've covered. Uh, it is Blair and Barker, the lockout edition. If you uh, if if you see a major league player on the street corner with a cup, please hug him. Please hug him. Yeah. How will they make it? Maybe drop Need a toonie in to raise that minimum. How mm-hmm. will they make it? We're kidding. Are we? Yeah, well, I am. Well, they yeah. need a well, hug. This is this is. This was expected. This was planned for. Had, had someone from from management two weeks ago tell me, I said, what are the chances that an agreement gets done before last night's 11.59 deadline? And um, I was told, none. Oh. I said, and what are the chances of uh, losing any games? Guy told me less than none. Now, if I know that and he knows that and the players know that, there's absolutely no reason. There's absolutely no reason for anybody to come to an agreement right now. I mean, there just isn't. Players aren't getting paid right now. Players never get paid right now. They don't get paid till opening day. Owners, you're still going to sell tickets because everybody deep down still believes there's going to be a season. You're basically shutting down the game in December. And this is a bit of a news flash. You know, all the, the stuff we get worked up about at the winter meetings. Have you kept track of how much big stuff actually has happened at the winter meetings the last four years? Rare. Base, baseball shuts down in December anyhow, normally. So I got an, uh, an item going up in sportsnet.ca later. I basically tell everybody to sit back, relax. Don't listen to the loud voices okay. on either side. When, when, when should you start listening? February 1st. If... By February 1st, there's no there's no sign of movement. Then you start thinking, okay, realistically, spring training, you want to have guys reporting in February 14th. You've got that month of Grapefruit League games. Then you start wondering whether or not Grapefruit League games will be canceled. But even then, keep in mind, if you talk to most players or baseball people and you say to them, how long does spring training really need to be? They will all say two to three weeks. They will. All, you don't need a month. You, you know why I need, have a month? Because people pay money to go and watch guys wearing uniform number 75 throw to guys wearing uniform number 89 in the, in, in the, in the seventh inning. People don't mind that. Um, so that's when you start kind of worrying about it. But, man, oh, man, there's a long way between that and the most important thing, which is losing games in the regular season. And and, and the baseball commissioner no, basically said, we're not going to yeah, happen. For, for me, somebody that used to try and wear a, a 72 or an 82 or a 95 or a 115 in spring training and try and make a team, those are the guys for me 
that the longer this goes, the harder it is for those guys to get jobs. And that's that's the that's the harsh reality. Well, yeah, the unsigned the, the guys that get screwed those, right now are unsigned minor leaguers. Absolutely. And they're not members of the Players Association. Absolutely. It's a horrible right? time for them. They, the, the unknown is terrifying. You yeah. talk about losing sleep and thinking about finding a new career. Well, those guys have to go look in the mirror and think, am I capable of looking at myself in the mirror and saying that I'm okay of waiting around and not thinking I have a job and being paid? Or do I need to, to move on and try and find a new career? It's a bad time for this, those people. The Max Scherzers of the world who just signed for 43 a year are getting 15 from another team mm. that adds up to 58. Why do they have issues? They don't. They, they can let this thing go on as long as they can let it go on. I believe Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, is addressing the media right now. Um, and he is just, yes, he is. And he's just told Bob, uh, well, Bob Nightingale's reporting. The union is seeking a $100 million reduction in revenue sharing, um, which is essentially a way of forcing smaller market teams to spend money on on salaries. Now, I want to get bogged down on the weeds here with all this because this is actually the first lockout, the first stoppage we've had in baseball during the social media age. And there's going to be real-time reporting of people saying stuff. And that is going to make it sound even more draconian than it is. Bottom line is, owners don't want to miss games. Players don't want to miss games. They got three months to get this straightened out, two months to get it straightened out. I, I really, you know, the tone of this is going to be interesting because of social media. We've already seen MLB.com, the website. They got eggs for faces for players, yeah. right? They've taken all, all player imaging has been removed from the website. The website is basically devoted to now to, uh, to, to history of the game. If you go on the roster spots, all the players faces are taken down. Uh, player imaging as it's called. The restrictions are being placed in that uh, on the use of player imaging. And that that's, that's something that didn't exist in, in 1994. I mean, the game is a lot different. And I've, mm. we've talked about it. Revenue, it's $10 billion per year revenue generator right now. Uh, there are two more teams than there were in 94. E- everything's changed. I mean, I remember when, when, when owners used to try to, we're building new stadiums or looking for leases. The big flashpoint was parking revenue. We got to get parking revenue. Parking revenue can make or break us. Now we're talking about, yeah, yeah. Streaming rights, regional TV. Chefs and clubhouses in spring training. Chefs. Well, yeah, but was, no, I'm, no, I'm not talking about but what I'm saying is that's those are labor issues. I'm saying that the money being generated by the game right now is 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 outrageous. Having yep. said that, having said that, if you want to really know what this is all about, if if you want to want it boiled down to the nuts, baseball owners would love all their teams to spend what the Tampa Bay Rays spend on payroll, but they they like Dodgers attendance <laughs> while they're doing it. Major League players, they like everybody to operate like the Dodgers. It's that simple. Major League players want more money faster. And there, there are a couple of things that have happened here that I don't think are getting enough, uh, that are getting enough, enough coverage in the media. And we, we'll be joined by Shai Davidi. Uh, Ned Coletti, Greg Boris uh, is the president of Power X Communications. He was a former director of communications for the Major League Baseball Players Association. He's a guy who has been in charge of, frankly, trying to spin stuff for the players. He's 
he's done all that through a lot of a lot of these things. So we'll talk to Greg about what is really going on here and how he should read it. But it seems to me that there's there's a lot of wiggle room here. You know, something happened last night that really didn't get a lot of coverage. You know that the owners want to expand the playoffs to 14 teams. You know, the players' argument is giving more teams the chance to make the playoffs in some ways, that can reward owners who don't spend a lot of money. In other words, the more teams make the playoffs, your chance of making the playoffs with a $60 million payroll is better than if there are fewer teams. Yesterday, players came back to the owners and said, okay, we'll expand the playoffs to 12 teams. Theoretically, the the players have accepted that playoffs are going to expand. That's a big deal. These smart people should be able to figure that out. We talked about how both sides understand that the game needs to get money into the hands of younger players soon. Well, what did we see in the last week? We saw the Rays hand out a contract to Wander Franco that could pay him $233 million over 12 years. And this is maybe even more important. The, the, the Miami freaking Marlins gave Sandy Alcantara a five-year, $56 million deal. That's the richest in history for a first-year arbitration-eligible player. So it appears as if there is a grudging understanding that, yeah, we got to start getting money into the hands of the Wander Francos and the Sandy Alcantara Juniors and, and, and the Vladdy Guerrero Juniors and the Bo Bichette. Sooner. Sooner, point. yeah. That's the point. So there's a, a lot more to this than people are going to be talking about today because the lines are being drawn today. Rob Manfred is going to say some stuff. Tony Clark is going to respond with some stuff. And keep in mind, I mean, the owners didn't have to lock out the players. Even though the CBA expired, there was nothing preventing the owners from saying, you know what, let's keep talking. They didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. The people have the idea that, well, the CBA says you lock out. No, 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 it doesn't. This was a decision made unanimously by ownership. They did not have to do this any more than the players don't ever have to strike. So keep that in mind. But this is, you're going to hear a lot about billionaire owners and millionaire players. This is the, I think, and I've already identified what I think are the key issues. This is the key financial thing to think about for players. And it's the key thing to think about as a fan when you're looking at players. According to the Associated Press, the average salary in the majors this year was $4.17 million. That's a 4.8% loss from the previous full year in 2019. Since 2017, the average salary has fallen 6.4%. And I know you're saying, oh, God, 6.4% of them, you know, $4 million. Give me a break. The median salary, which is what we really should focus on, that's the point at which an equal number of players are above and below, right? So in other words, that is the dollar figure where you've got as many players above it as below it. That fell to 1.15 million. That's an 18% drop from 2019. That's a 30% drop from 2015, And of the 1,955 players who signed major league contracts last year or who had major league contracts going into September, how many, Kevin, do you think earned less than a million dollars? Now, we're talking 1,955. 
1,400 earned less than a million dollars. So 500, basically 500 players are making, making above the minimum. And that is created by the fact that guys get signed on a prorated basis. That's why guy, that's why you know, when, when teams shuffle relievers back and forth, right, from the majors to the minors, they're saving money every time the guy doesn't, doesn't spend a day in the major league roster. So, again, we're, I understand. We're, we're out there. Hey, I'll take a million bucks right now. Mm-hmm. I, I get all that. But if you're the players, you're looking at this, and you're saying, okay, now, Let's use the Boston Red Sox as an example. Since John Henry's bought bought the Boston Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox valuation, according to Forbes, has gone up, I believe, 1,800%. And ultimately, that is the value. The the value of your franchise is what the guy on the street will pay you for it, right? We can sit here and say, oh, the Miami Marlins are worth $900 million. Well, you know what? Bruce Sherman paid $1.2 billion for him. Therefore, the worth of the Miami Marlins is $1.2 billion. Yeah. So I'm just, I, I want to put that out there as context because I know a million dollars and 4.17 and Jeff, 3.18. Come on. I'm supposed to have a tag day for, the point is players want a greater share of growing revenue. And let's face it, you know, one of the players there ain't no revenue growing. Nobody's going to come here to watch, or nobody's going to come to game to watch Charlie Montoya lean up against a dugout and watch nothing going on in the field. Yep. So that, there's a, there's a lot of stuff you're going to, th- those are the basics of it. And as I've said, as someone who covered the 1994 strike, I, I can tell you that this, the stuff you're hearing right now is, I, I mean, it's not, it's not even, it's not one 50th of the anger you heard in 1994 not 150th of the anger it it's it's not even apples and it's not even apples and oranges there's there, there's absolutely nothing between the two that that's that's really that's really comparable back then the two sides well they they just tried to gut each other yeah and mm-hmm. it it's it's that simple they tried to gut each other and, and I don't see that as, as being the case. So, so for all the things that you just read off there, which was great stuff, and that simplified it enough that the normal person that doesn't follow baseball every single day that can understand why the players may be trying to do this is what would the players – Well, again, let's, you, have, you, have to, you have to let's, meet in the middle here a little but bit. But let's just say, Kevin, the players did nothing. The, the, players, the players did nothing here. Well, they're Owners, unified. Ownership. Well, we don't even know. They didn't take a vote. They didn't vote on a lockout. The only thing that happened is owners got together and voted and said, we're locking the players out. Players did nothing. Players, players, players will go and negotiate tonight. They'll, they'll, they'll negotiate right now. They took no action. Now, Rob Manfred is saying, well, it was a defensive move because, you know, we're trying to get the players to move and, the players responsive. Well, wait a minute here. We, we we let's see here. We moved on. We moved on on expanded playoffs. Uh, we're starting to talk about salary levels. So I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. This isn't a strike. Strike and a lockout are a big difference. And Rob Manfred himself said after owners meetings, and this is this is what really blew my mind compared to '94 when everybody hated everybody and wanted to kill everybody. And you had players, you had players coming out and 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 essentially wishing harm on Jerry Reinsdorf's family. And the big difference here is Rob Manfred at owners' meeting says, "Look, 
We're not going to miss games. This is what it will take to get where we all. This is what go. it will take. Owners yeah. will move the ball as far as they can, and at some point, Rob will go to them and say, realistically, this is what we got. Then it's going to be up to owners to vote to accept the agreement. The players will accept ultimately an agreement. It's going to be up to owners. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Greg Boris on, who who was formerly with the Major League Baseball Players Association and has taught at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, is he sent out a tweet yesterday that was so, it just said everything. He said, keep in mind that when you are in a negotiating room, when you're in collective bargaining, it's not just players against owners. It's also owners against owners. Not every owner out there wants the same thing. Mm -hmm. And not every owner is wired the same way. Some owners are labor hawks. They want to bleed every last ounce of whatever they can get from the players. Others probably don't care as much. But they're going along with it because part of the club. So we'll talk to Greg Boris about that because that's something that that gets lost here. There are only nine ownership groups right now who are around in 94. And they're the usual, you know, the usual suspects. But, and I'll I'll throw this out before we break because I want to bring Shai Davidi in as well because I've I've tried to to paint this picture of a game that's completely different than 1994. Let's also throw this out because this is something that a lot of people don't remember. Not only has Rob Manfred, the commissioner, come out and said that it, that the price tag for a baseball expansion team is $1.2 billion, which, by the way, when the Arizona Diamondbacks came in to existence in 1995, it was $130 million. So Rob Manfred's saying it's $1.2 billion now. And he's right. You've got an announcement yesterday that the Oakland Athletics are going full, full court press on getting a stadium built in Las Vegas. We know that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to have that split cities concept, and that's going to fly. That's, I mean, there'll be baseball back in Montreal before this new CBA expires. There was a time not so long ago, and I know because I covered the news conference, where things were so dire that Bud Selig wanted to contract the Minnesota Twins. They wanted to kill the Minnesota Twins franchise, not let it move. They wanted to kill it, along with the Montreal Expos. They just wanted to kill the franchise. Gone. Take a look at the Minnesota Twins right now, where they are, where their stadium is. This is, the, this is one of the things you have to remember. The business is healthy. Baseball is not the biggest sport in North America. It's not even close. The NFL dwarfs it. And that was something that also used to be an issue. Well, if we don't get this, then... We're going to get screwed. We're going to get dwarfed by the NFL. It doesn't matter anymore. Everybody in Major League Baseball knows that the NFL is the king of the sports landscape. But there's enough room left that they made $10.6 billion last year. So, so I'm going to say about that for now. Shai Davidi is going to join us. We're going to take a look at Kevin Gosman's intro news conference yesterday. Chris Taylor, a guy who would, had been linked with the Blue Jays, he signed back with the Dodgers. Marcus Stroman, mm. three years, seventy-one million with the Cubs. I told you, Marcus Stroman can get. You said a hundred. He, he didn't get a hundred. Yeah, Marcus Stroman will end. He, he 
three years and 71 with the Cubs. He's to, you can make the case he did better than Kevin Gossman did with his contract. You can make the case he did. Huh. So well done to Marcus Stroman. Yeah. Uh, three years, 71 million with the Cubs. And the other story that's kind of cool here. And, 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 you know, I think yesterday there were 27 separate news conferences to announce contracts. You know what wasn't announced? Justin Verlander's contract with the Astros. That <laughs> wasn't announced. Yeah. Now, that signing was broken by his brother, Ben Verlander, weeks ago. Nothing's happened. No. Justin Verlander is a member. I remember the Astros. They got all This isn't a thing. They got his medical stuff. They, they got the medical stuff right here in the trainer's laptop. Yeah. So there hasn't been an announcement there. And John Heyman has tweeted, you know, people are starting to ask, oh, hang on. What's happened here? Is Justin Verlander really with the Houston Astros? Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it right now. Sounds like he had his brother go, hey, let's put a little pressure on the Astros. Well, I, I throw I, this I, out there. That sure is what it sounded like. Yeah, that deal hasn't that deal has not been officially announced yet. So there's a, there is a bunch of baseball stuff we can clean up. We'll get to that with Shai Davidi. Ned Coletti, LA Dodgers TV analyst, former Dodgers general manager. Ned, I'm sure he will say, unfortunately, has way too much experience with lockouts as a reporter, as a PR guy, and as a general manager. Uh, Ned's done it all and seen it all. He'll join us at 11 o'clock. And as I mentioned, at 1130, Greg Boris, president of PowerX Communications, former director of communications for the Major League Baseball Players Association, will be along. And he'll, he'll, what we'll do, Greg will attempt to build you a BS detector that you can wear. If you're going to follow the labor talks, he'll, he'll, he, he will help you understand who to listen to, who not to listen to, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. If you're paying attention at all. A reminder, if always, if you like the show, subscribe to Blair and Barker, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show. Shai Davidi's next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. You're going to tell them the uh, we no, 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 it's not really the story. sausage story about no, no, what's wrong with you? I guess we have to. I thought you were going to tell them about the sausage story. No, I was, I was saying that that the, the scariest I've ever been in winter bowls when I was in Venezuela and they were trying to elect a new president and okay. I, was, I was locked in a room for a little while with the person that hit the the sausage in Milwaukee. Randall Simon, he he yeah. he hit the sausage mascot with the bat. Yeah, he did. He got in trouble for that. So you were locked in a room with him I for was. four, four weeks, weeks while the revolution was going on. It was something. So, yeah, it's one of the scariest times I've ever been. I'm not say a how lot. Do we, how do we get on that topic? I don't know. It was, well, because the only baseball being played will be winter ball, and and there are you know what? Yeah. Uh, well, this is something we can do in our pod. Well, By winter, the way, winter we're ball, start- winter ball's over. I think playoffs now, and and winter. It's only playoffs now, right? Only in December's playoffs. Is it? I, it's been a while since I've been in winter ball, but yeah, I I, I believe, I, I think okay. maybe regular season. Anyhow, the whole is point over is. Real, if it's not over, it's over real soon. I, I was going to say, the point is that that uh, 
there will be some some there'll be some players without contracts who might be looking trying to figure out a way to stay in shape. I don't know. I mean, I I do remember in 1994 during the strike, I went down to the Dominican in '95 to do a piece in the Alou family and to cover winter ball because there were a ton of major league players that were without, you know, that hadn't played in '94 that wanted to get in shape. And Cliff and Rondell were two of the dudes. I think I've told the story. Two of the dudes I ran into the hotel in Santo Domingo. I'm rolling my bag in. They're going the other way. And it's basically, as Cliffy said, uh, yeah, winter ball not for us. And, uh, <laughs> and well, uh, some people don't have to play winter ball. No, like, and, like, and, I, it, it was, you know, Cliffy's one of those people. It, it's, it, it's a, I, I don't want to say it, it's a, it's an acquired league, something that you have to buy into. There's some things that you have to get past. Like, you know, it's firearms being robbed. I, that, that, I never had issues with that. Like that, yeah, that was that's never, you, that that's was you, a thing. You hung around with Moises Alou. You was, had people. You I had was, guards. I embraced Moises. You're with, Moises. Embraced you're with Moises. You're like with the president. I, I embraced it. Yeah, I I, I know you. I, have, you were, I, I know I had you a embraced lot of, the lifestyle. You I had, had a lot, lot of, fun. of I had a lot of fun there. It was it was one of the most fun times yeah. of my baseball career was going to winter ball. I could wait. I actually towards the end of my career, I got to be honest with you, I played in summer ball in the United States just to get me ready for winter ball. <laughs> that's a fact. I have no idea how we started talking about winter ball. Uh, that's what you do when when there's a lot of talk about. Yeah, there's, there's a nothing lot. to talk about when you're about. locked out. That's right. When it, well, when it, when it, well, and it killed Blue Jays' momentum. Yeah, the Blue Jays so, gave uh, us something to talk about at least in the week leading up to the lockout. And yesterday, they formally introduced Kevin Gosman and formally introduced Kevin Gosman's contract uh, to the Toronto media. And and you could tell that there are a lot of reporters starved for for they knew it was like the, the it was like the last the last trip to the buffet bar for news before it shut down. It was like a fifty minute news conference, you know. And 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 poor uh, poor Taylor, uh, uh, Gossman's wife was there beside him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And somebody should have somebody should have asked her a question. Somebody should have asked her a question just for doing you know for standing there the whole length of time. Although I did think it was kind of funny. He was wearing his hat backwards and. I got a text from a friend of mine who was on the conference call. Said, "Man, she's looking like she's at, looking at him like, dude, you just signed a one hundred and ten million dollar contract. <laughs> you know, comb your hair, you little jail." Hair. Anyhow, uh, all kidding aside, it's going to be a lot of fun to have uh, Kevin and and Taylor around. Uh, if you heard any of the news conference yesterday, you got a taste of why he is considered to be such a good dude. Yada yada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But he also said something I found really interesting, and 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 we did as well. And, and I think one of the things we've learned, we learned from talking to Stephen Matz the other day, and we've learned this now from talking to Kevin Gossman. These guys, the idea that I'm going to sit back and let my agent do the work, yeah, the agent may do the work when it comes to talking about dollars and cents, but these guys are hands-on. These guys are doing the analytic dive. They're doing all this stuff. So Kevin Gossman was asked about coming to the Blue Jays and joining a rotation that already has Jose Barrios that has Alec Manoa, Hyunjin Ryu, and possibly Nate Pearson. And, and Lance, can you can you play the clip the clip from Kevin Gossman? Because I think this this gives you an idea of sort of the detail that this guy went into before deciding to sign with the Blue Jays. Yeah, well, I think you know if you look at uh, the Barrios extension, you know, bringing in a guy who's you know had his entire career in the American League. Um, you know, uh, a very great human being from what I hear, first and foremost, great pitcher, uh, really looking forward to working with him, you know, getting to know him, um, you know, but, but more than anything, it's just um, the willingness for the organization to do everything they can 
to get the most out of their players, to develop their players, um, you know, because you're not always going to be able to go out and get, you know, the, the best, you know, three free agents every offseason. You know, you got to be able to develop your players. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the young pitchers that they have, Manoa and, and Pearson and, um, you know, just all, all those all those young pieces coming back, um, you know, learning and, and getting better. And, um, you know, I just felt like it was uh, it was, you know, a, a prime place that. Um, was going to win for for the near future and also you know a couple years down the road um, because they do have team control on a lot of those guys and so uh, you know and they just seem hungry you know they seem like a, a team that um, wants to win and you know likes it seems like all the guys like those big moments um, they don't shy away from them and you know uh, part of that is probably their pedigree you know having that uh, good DNA and so you know, for me, it just kind of made sense, you know, the closer it got to decision time, it was, um, all right, this is the team that I think I'm going to win, you know, the most with. And so, uh, you know, I'm super excited to get to know all those guys. Yeah. And, and he went on to say, Kevin Gossman went on to say that one of the, uh, you know, that, that, that if you look at the Jays rotation, Kevin, you talked about this, you're going to get a lot of looks in a four game series or a three game mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot of different looks, not just out of the bullpen, but out of that rotation. Yeah, you get some, you get you're some, going to see some splitties. You're going to see more splitties facing the Jays than you're going to see against any other team. Well, this you year, got, possibly. you got, you got some guys that can throw some good breaking balls. You can throw them in any counts. You got a guy that can throw a slider. You got a guy that can throw sinkers into righties. You got now an elevated four seamer with some, you know, a little bit of a, a funky wind up with a different arm angle and can feed off of that with a sink and change up with different mile per hour and the split finger that can get lefties and righties out. That That's the one thing for me. And the, the only thing for me with Gosman is the small ballparks. What, what, what will that do? Like, can he live? Cause it's basically 93, 94. He will occasionally sit at the 95, 96. If he's feeling frisky, but it's 93, 94. Can he live elevated in the, in the American league East? That, that would be the one little thing, but, Look, he's better than than the other options that they have, and and I'm with him. He's he's going to add add a little different thing. It'll give a, a a different hitter something else to think about. Now, how do I attack it? Do I lay off the elevated four seamer? Can I tell the difference? Because what he's trying to do basically is start both of, of those or all three of his pitches on the same plane, and then they break later when they get closer to the hitter. Can that hitter tell the difference between that? For me, what's the difference in? his year last year than years past is the tunnels were longer when the tunnels are longer. That tells that, that hitter that it's harder to pick up different kinds of pitches. And when he's doing that, he's a tougher kind of pitcher, but right now they're a better team because he's in the, in the rotation. Let's bring in shy Davidi. He is our MLB insider with sports and shy. Thanks so much for joining us today. While we, you know, we're in the, uh, the, the baseball winter is now effectively has, has effectively kicked in. Although, as I said, I guess it's, I have to sacrifice something. I'd rather sacrifice the winter meetings than opening day. Before we talk about the Jays, what they've done, what they still need to do, what may be in the pipeline for the Jays, just your thoughts on kind of how we got to this lockout. And I, I don't know. I mean, are you are you as optimistic as I am that this thing is going to get resolved without a loss of regular season games? I mean, I don't, I don't want to predict anything at this point. You know, I've heard people say that they don't think it's going to get to that point that that they will find a resolution before that because you know both sides understand what's at stake for the game given that you know the pandemic all the other things that we've come out of uh and you know just where the sport is right now and how it's trending but 
you know, once you're in the, once you're in a, a, a you know, a, a lockout or a strike, you know, things can quickly spin out of control for both sides. You know, emotions are involved, and uh, you know, cooler heads don't necessarily always prevail. So, you know, maybe it could drag on longer than we expected. But you know, the the people that I've spoken to, you know, really can't envision this getting to a point where you know the regular season is impacted. Uh, that there's motivation on both sides to ensure that doesn't happen. Uh, but, you know, I mean, as you well know, Jeff, having covered many of these before, and, you know, this is my, my first one covering, but the, uh, among the many that I'd read about beforehand, you know, when, when, these two, when these two sides get at it, you know, they, they really go after one each other. They really go for the jugular. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny, too, and I was, I was thinking about this in 1994, Covering the Expos, I mean, we we knew the season was over. The players stayed around in Montreal for about a week, and then they left. And it was, I mean, it was just a, it was dismal. And of course, you know, soon after that, you started hearing, "Can baseball survive in Montreal? And you know, will Montreal get a new stadium?" Of course, they broke up the team that was the best team in the majors at that time. The Toronto Blue Jays also. You know, Paul Beeston will tell you, and I'm sure you've spoken to him about this. That hey, it also had an it had an impact in Toronto. Toronto had won back to back World Series. Yeah, in nineteen ninety four they were scuffling, and ultimately Dwayne Ward's arm injury pretty much killed any chances of them winning again. But as Beeston said, we didn't recover from that either. You know, it it, it it's not like it, there was kind of a PR war that everybody got involved in, and, and the Blue Jays took a hit as well. This is a little different. This is kind of odd because. This CBA, I think, could conceivably see baseball return to Montreal through a split cities concept. And I also look at where the Blue Jays are, shy, And the Blue Jays are really well positioned, I think, to handle whatever comes out of this. Even if somehow service time issues involving Bo and, and Vladdy get adjusted in a negative way from the Blue Jays' point of view, I just get the sense that ownership is kind of prepared for this. And maybe part of that comes from the fact that Mark Shapiro, their president, is... You know, this isn't his first rodeo either when it comes to labor talks. He's a son of a lawyer. Or, I'm sorry, he's a son of a, of, of a, of a former agent. So Mark's kind of gone to school in this, in a matter of speaking. Yeah, and for both sides, too, right? You, you have to remember yes. that he's also one of uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred's closest confidants as well. So, you know, he's certainly going to have a, a holistic view of things. Uh, you know, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. You know, the Blue Jays, like, the, the stakes... Uh, in this discussion for the Blue Jays, uh, you know, aren't aren't terribly high. It's just more how are you adjusting your procedures because there's going to be nothing in the CBA that's going to be hugely disruptive for them. You know, the one thing that, you know, that would really be a need for this team but just can't be addressed in the CBA is, you know, some way to compensate for the currency difference between the Canadian and American dollars. That would be sort of, uh, you know, the dream. You know, the Blue Jays in the past had received some sort of currency equalization payments from Major League Baseball. Uh, that 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 went away uh, in the mid 2000s at some point, maybe late late uh, late in the first decade of the century. So, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, the 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 the, the, the CBT threshold, competitive balance tax threshold isn't going to be uh, really a major issue for them. You know, if, uh, if service time is adjustment is adjusted or minimum player salaries change, you know, that'll have some some effect on the payment of the bottom half of their of their roster from an earning standpoint. 
but it, it's not going to dramatically impact their business. And, and really, it's more just for the Blue Jays. You know, how will, what, what will the new landscape look like? And then how do they adjust to that new landscape? But they won't have to fundamentally change anything that they're doing. Well, well, we already know what the Blue Jays have done already, who they've signed. What's your gut telling you that's next for the Blue Jays? Well, I, I think we can really get a sense of where they're going by what they've done, right? And they clearly targeted a, a starter at the top of the market. You know, they got their guy in Gosman. Uh, and they also targeted a starter in sort of the middle, middle to, to lower tier of the market. So, you know, maybe someone in the, you know, eight to $12 million range. And so they still need to get that, you know, and we know that they want an infielder and they need to bolster the bullpen a little bit. So I think those are the next areas for the Blue Jays to target. You know, they would at this point have a pretty good understanding of what's going to be available to them in trade and more or less what it's going to take to get a deal done. They're going to have a sense of, what the different free agents will be looking for and what it's going to have to, what the spend's going to have to be to get an agreement. So, you know, essentially right now, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're the, the teams that are still haven't acted yet or the players who haven't yet signed, you know, you're essentially waiting to see is there going to be a major difference to the CBT threshold and does that change the, the behavior of, say, the Yankees, the Red Sox, or, you know, other clubs that are in and around the 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 line and then reacting accordingly so you know i really think that once there is a cba in place it's really going to be push play for this team do you have any idea what they truly feel about kevin biggio you know the the fact that ross atkins has gone out of his way to talk him up a little bit on multiple occasions that to me suggests that they're going to give him some run next year and that, you know, you're not going to raise the expectations around a player and raise the expectations for a player unless you're intent on, you know, giving him an opportunity. So I, I'm not sure that, you know, that, that can take a few different forms. They could take the form, uh, you know, the super, t- super utility role where he was playing at multiple spots uh, that could take uh, the form of him, you know, maybe being the primary second baseman. Um, and, you know, Ross Atkins didn't rule out the possibility that he would play a substantial amount of time at third base as well. So, you know, I just, I, just knowing this front office, I would be really surprised if they, you know, positioned Kevin Biggio as an important part of the team and then didn't give him the opportunity to do just that. Shy, we know that in the case of Justin Verlander, there was a deal that was supposedly struck or agreed to, at least according to his brother, uh, who is a reporter. And I'm and and Ben's Ben's a reporter of good reputation, so I'm not I'm certainly not trying to besmirch it here. But it was not formally announced yesterday. So, as far as baseball is concerned, it appears as if that deal hasn't happened. Any sense that the Jays got close on something that they may want to revisit as soon as this is over? And there, there was some chatter that they might be able to sneak one more or that they had a chance to sneak one more deal, one more signing in uh, before the before the lockout last night. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, I would think that at this point they're going to have things that they're going to the moves that they know that they can make. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, now again, the market could change a little bit um, based on, you know, what the next CBA looks like. Um, you know, again, the, the biggest, the biggest piece there being the, the CBT threshold, but, you know, I, I think by and large, you know, the, the legwork will be done and, or a, a good portion of the legwork will be done. And, you know, and both teams and players know that once this thing gets going again, you know, they're going to have to make decisions pretty quick because in all likelihood, it's going to be a very, very quick transition from agreement to spring training. And, you know, teams are going to want and, and players are going to want to, to get into camp as soon as possible. Yeah, no, that that's uh, that, that is all that is all very that, that's all very true. It, it's going to be when it does when it does come back, it, going to be a whirlwind that is going to make the last week look i I don't know if you'll see 1.4 billion dollars in salaries given out or however much it was but you still got some big got some big guys out there you've got carlos correa you may have verlander out there still and if he is out there he'll command a a fair amount of fair amount of cash i would also think shy though that once we come out of this you're going to see the trade market really pick up yes uh, I'd, I'd agree with that, and I would, you know, I, I just I feel like the Blue Jays are probably going to have to make one deal to deal with uh, to to get everything that they want accomplished. Uh, just because you, you know, unless unless they have far more payroll than you know we think, you know, they it's going to be hard to kind of shoehorn everything in within a budget. You know, like. Uh, if you do want another starter and a, and a you know an impact infielder and you want some relief help, you know the getting some payroll efficiency, uh, it, but through through a trade with someone who's either got a pretty good contract or is maybe you know, earlier in his earning years, you know those kind of things really make sense for this team, especially when you think that you know they're going to have potentially uh, a bit of a payroll crunch in 23 because no major money is going to be coming off the books uh, after next year. So, you know, I think for those reasons, there's uh, a chance that they, they make a trade uh, and, and certainly something that, you know, we've seen, we saw them do it for the first time with Jose Barrios. That was a bit of a shift, but, you know, I think that has to be a tool in their arsenal given where they are as a club right now. Shy, really good insight as always. Thanks so much. Thanks, Shy. Yeah, no, no problem, guys. Talk to you soon. Hopefully, yes. Take care. <laughs> Shai Davidi, our MLB insider, baseball columnist with Sportsnet.ca. You can read his stuff on Sportsnet.ca. What? And, of course, the site will be all over this. And uh, any breaking labor news, uh, go to Sportsnet.ca. Is, is, there su- is there such thing for, for momentum for GMs? You think Ross had a little bit of that going into this thing. You think that kills this? His momentum makes it a little harder when this does restart up to now because he's competing with a lot more teams. Everybody trying to get what they're getting real quick. Yeah, but no, does you that hurt it for Ross? I don't think it does because the top level free agents, uh, you know, they Car- are what they are. Carlos Correa is not signing with Pittsburgh in the new CBA. Yeah. So, you know, where where I think it 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 plays into their hands because, especially if you're looking at pitching, and especially if you're looking at 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 guys who may be looking for a pillow contract who may be looking to do what Robbie Ray did here, because now if, if the clock, if the, the, the clock doesn't start running again until let's say a week before spring training or two weeks before spring training, well, now you've got, 
you know, I don't know, pick pitcher X who hasn't signed, who is coming off a down year, who needs to rebuild his value. Well, he hasn't been able to work out with the team all winter. He's probably got his own facility at home or he's working out privately and all that. And, and, and that's fine. But he hasn't had access to any team's training staff. He hasn't had access to any team's pitching coach. He hasn't had access. I guess you could work out with a with 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 a major league catcher. I guess there's nothing stopping you from showing up at wherever the Blue Jays players are having their informal workout and, and throwing some pitches to guys or maybe scrimmaging a bit. But you're gonna have a lot of these guys who, when this thing ends, are going to be in the same position they are or they were at the end of the regular season, but now they've got like two days to make up their mind about where they want to go. And Kevin Gossman talked about this. He wanted to come to Toronto to win. He wanted to come to Toronto because of all the things that are in place to help him in terms of physical fitness and, and R and D and all that stuff. Well, if you're, if you're pitcher X and you want to play, get your value back up there, you may be proactive. You may call the Jays. They look minor league, minor league contract invitation, spring training. Let's get at it. And the Jays are still going to be a preferred option for a lot of players looking to build up their value. So I think the Jays are going to do real well out of this. And I think Shy's right. I've and we've talked about this. We felt all along that there will be a big trade this year, probably to bring in another bat. So if you're the Blue Jays, you know, you got Michael Conforto out there. He needs a team. Maybe yeah. Michael Conforto signs here right away. You go out and make a trade, address your infield situation, and then you bring in Matt Boyd. You bring in a bunch of pitchers who don't have contracts yet. Yeah. So I think it no, I think it works out well. I think it, it's a lockout. It's not good. But I think the Jays are really well positioned coming out of this. They got they, they addressed their biggest pitching need. Before the lockout, yeah, and, and also that's big. Also, these teams too who need to get off to good starts. This goes on, and it goes say into a, a weekend of spring training. How does that affect the teams like the Blue Jays who have to get off to good starts? They they have to if they're going to win the American League East, they can't fall behind. Playing from behind in the American League East is not the easiest thing to do. They got to get off to good starts. How will that affect player wise, performance wise between the lines? That. Two will be something interesting. I don't think it'll be a big deal. No, because I, as uh, as good as players take care of themselves, the way they know yeah. their body, the way they know their swings. Now, I'm not. But it may be something a little something to look at, especially new players coming in. Yeah, listen, I believe me, I'm real good at finding the negatives and stuff. Uh huh. And I've really poked through the embers of this thing, and th- there is not a thing that would concern me about the Blue Jays of this where we are right now. I mean, there there just isn't that I, I don't see how this doesn't shake out into their favor. They've still got some money to spend. They've got obvious needs. Yeah. Again, they got there. They didn't get hamstrung by waiting around for Robbie Ray. They, they, they addressed that pitching need. I mean, they're, man, they're good to go. They're locked and loaded. Right. So, so just say when they come back, they sign Michael Conforto, just, just hypothetical speaking. And he had issues last year with the shift. They shifted a lot against him. He had issues of trying to hit away from the shift instead of hitting through it. Don't think about where they're standing. Think about hitting the ball hard. Well, you wanting to get with a team that can maybe tweak some things that you were trying to not yeah. do and with that team. That's what I'm talking about. Just little little parts like that, that your additions that you may add that you may want to try to advance to get hotter sooner mm-hmm. that you want to be See, with a team a little quicker. That's, all, that's that, my point. That's why I, I think it's really important that you – Listen to what guys like Kevin Gossman and Steven Matz and Robbie Ray said about their time in Toronto. 
that that's you know when 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 Stephen Matz comes out and says what he said about a love thrown to Danny Jansen, loved working with Pete Walker, and I, I've I've talked to free agents about it. We think it might have been Noah Syndergaard because they were on the Mets together. It's mm-hmm. entirely possible, and he's talking up Toronto. Hey, word gets around, man. Word gets around, and and that's another thing I'll throw out there. If you're if you're a Jays fan right now, team got the pitcher you needed. May not be the pitcher you wanted, but they got the pitcher they needed, and people are excited about coming here. That's not going to change as a result of the CBA. That's not going to change as a result of the CBA. I think, I think, I think this is, if, if we can all just keep our, you know what, in line through the lockout, I think Jays fans are going to really like what they see when we come out of the other side. And, um, and, and as I said, I think the Jays are really positioned to do some serious damage in the player market. When this thing is done, we are into a lockout. Ned Coletti is the LA Dodgers TV analyst, former Dodgers general manager. So what do GMs do now? Yeah, the game is locked out. They can't talk to their players, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But there's still some business to attend to. We'll talk to Ned Coletti about that. Greg Boris, formerly of the Major League Baseball Players Association, joins us as well. It's Blair and Barker, the lockout chronicles on Sportsnet 590, the fan.